Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Let's go back to the beginning. How did Karen A. Dahlman get involved in the supernatural and the paranormal? Well, I have to start at about back to the age of two. As far Ooh. back as I can remember, I can actually remember being in the crib. And at the age of two, I remember having this little playmate. I called him my little friend. His name was actually Daki. And he would come and talk to me. We'd play together. And my mom would come and say, well, who are you talking to? I said, don't you see? Daki, he's right here. And she would say, there's nobody here. You're making this up. And I think it kind of, you know, maybe disturbed them a little bit. But I spoke with this being from about the age of two to six. And to me, I, I, it was just normal. It was just normal to be able to see lights around people such as auras. I didn't know they were auras. It was normal for me to have these beings. Um, I had another group of beings that would come to me, and they were call, I called them the large ones. When they would come at night, they would fill my door with this huge light. And when they came, I felt so loved, so comforted, and I could even hear them speak. I didn't know until a lot later it was telepathically they're speaking to me, but they were like what you would call the watchers. I later learned their name is truly the guardian. But getting back to when I was a child, I was also told that when I go to school, you really can't be telling people about this, you know, little being that you're talking to. But, George, i got to tell you this, and the audience, too, it's not unusual for a child up to the age of seven to have some kind of what you, people would call a playmate, imaginary mm-hmm. playmate. In fact, researchers found from the University of Oregon that 64% of children by the age of seven have something like this in their life. And so there's something going on here. And, and I've since learned that, it's, you know, that's like a spirit guide or, or it could be a deceased relative, but it's usually somebody that comes to help you. It may even come in the form of an animal. Mine just happened to be a little bean, but he looked like a little sprite. So, George, that's truly where this got started for me. It was natural. And for a lot of people... Having these kinds of experiences is very natural. And what we do is we put them away. Um, you know, I was told to, you know, you go be a big kid at school. Don't talk about these things. You're going to sound crazy. Others may have heard that. Others, some people are supported by it. I think now in today's society, more and more people, kids, that is, are being supported. You know, well, well who is this you see? Draw a picture of this being. I was just told to stop doing it. But, you know, George, what happened was, because I was so connected already, and I didn't want to let go of this little guy, that's when, you know, the Ouija board came to me and gave me an opportunity, as if you will, my lifeline back to spirit. Because I knew that there was so much more than what I saw in this physical reality. How, many, I was seeing it. how many parents, Karen, kind of shun their kids from this guy, what they think, the parents think, is imaginary? But how many parents shun their kids away from these beings? Well, it used to be more more parents would do it in the you know back in the day when I was probably growing up, and now it's really it's been a lot easier for people because I think there's more an acceptance of something. What I do see happening though, people automatically might go to, oh, that's scary, you know, but it's not for the child. If the child's not having a scary experience, and this is my my, my therapist voice speaking now, you know, if we're not having a bad experience with it. Allow them to you know use their imagination because the the, the imagination is the realm in which we make these com- these communications and connections. And we're going to be talking more about that tonight because imagination does not mean fake, does not mean not real. In fact, it's just the, it's the area that feeds your soul in order to envision and be able to understand and start working with your third eye. So I think people are more 
understanding of that and more supportive. And I hear more parents talking to me about this, that they say, well, they'll re- write to me or reach out to me and say, my child's having these experiences. You know, what can I do? And so my response would be, well, if it's, not, if it's a positive experience, you know, work with them on it. Let them have that, that imagination. Because really what happened, what they found, these researchers found that kids with these kinds of experiences typically are more creative. Mm-hmm. Well, there's because no question using, about it. Yeah. yeah, they're using more faculties of their mind, which includes your pineal gland, your third eye. You see, so it's really important to help your children develop with this because it's really developing other faculties of your other senses, the clair senses. And I was developing these, um, although I was told not to do that. I was there was still a support in my family that there are things there that we maybe can't see, and you know that's okay. And so I, that kind of helped me, you know, hang on to that experience as a child. Did these beans stay with you as guides, or what happened to them? Great question, because what happened with Daki, I thought I put him away. I thought he was gone. When I say put him away, I thought maybe I shut that door. Well, it turns out he came back to me when I wrote the book, The Spirit of Alchemy, Secret Teachings of the Sacred Reunion. He came back, and he came back through a poem. He just channeled a poem through me. We're going to talk about channeling more. But he came back and just downloaded information, and I recorded verbatim as, I, as he was saying it to me. I was speaking into a recording device. And, it, and it, I just changed a few of the words. It's a beautiful poem, and and I never knew that he was still around me. And it turns out I won't get the punchline away in the book, but it turns like he ne- it turns out he never went away. And so even when we think as a child we have these experiences, and especially if they were beautiful for you, they never really go away. They just may go into the shadows and step aside because they don't want to interfere with our lives. And so I find that um, he was like a spirit guy as a child. And we had all these incredible conversations as a two- to five-year-old can have. But I would ask things such as, you know, who are these people that are my parents? What, what am I doing here? I mean, things like you, I remember asking these questions. But it was because I knew that, you know, I'm, I'm transient in a sense. We all are. We all are truly spiritual beings that are straddling two worlds, if you will. We're in the spiritual. So much of ourself is still in that spiritual unseen dimension. We may call that the afterlife. I like to call it the unseen dimensions. Where another part of ourselves, a smaller portion of ourselves, is in the corporeal existence. And it's us learning to balance them, them both. And so a lot of people come in with that veil lifted, if you will, if you want to call it that, or they develop into this as they get older. And I just, I see such great value in that because it, it really helps you again develop all these other senses that you have within yourself. Could these, they're not necessarily gifts. They're really abilities we all have. Could these beings, Karen, be what religion calls guardian angels? I would concur with you. In fact, when I was raised Catholic, we believed in guardian angels. We still did. We still do. And I think that allowed me to have that supernatural feeling, because one of the beings that visited me when I got serious with this communication ability to do this was an angel named Mary. Um, and she spoke with me for many years. She still she still talks to me now, but she's taking more of a backseat. But yes, I do believe some of these are your guardian angels, or like I said, the watchers, or what I call just the guardians, which are not angels. They're a whole different type of beings. But to answer your earlier question, some of these, what happened with the development of myself um, with that started with Daki, it started emerging into other characters that came into my life, which I would call sentient beings. And the well, first one was the, was the guardians I was telling you about, the big, large beings. I couldn't never see features of their face 
or their mouths or eyes, but they were just so loving. And I could feel that positive energy, and I had a lot of experiences with them. And they, they calmed me down, and, and I felt just uh, unbelievable love. And they're still around me, too, but they, they've taken more of a backseat. Because what happens, George, in our lives, and, and this is not unique to me, Every single one of us has spirit guides, the angelic kingdom, watchers. We have all these loving beings that are around ourselves. And I've just learned to kind of crack the code of consciousness to communicate with them. And, you know, what I try to do is help my clients and help others when I give my talks and my books I write is to learn to tap back into this because your life becomes that much more rich and then you start to realize you're not disconnected from those that you've that have transitioned and moved over into the afterlife. They're still with us. And our guides can help us do that, too. We're with Karen A. Dahlman. We're talking about spirit guides. We'll talk about the Ouija board a little bit later on tonight. Karen, you mentioned channeling. What There are different methods to channel, aren't there? Yeah, there are. And so um, channeling... Yeah, it's, I, I'm glad we're talking about this. I want to get like a definition out so we all know what we're talking about as, this, as we progress in this conversation. So basically, channeling is a natural function. I would, cons- I would consider it that first. It's also a means of communication. And to go one step further, it's a means of communication between sentient beings, between consciousness. And so there's all different types of channeling. So I think most people think about when they hear channeling, um, somebody like Jane Roberts, who's too broad in right. Seth. Seth. Or you might, yeah, or you might think of something more contemporary like Abraham Hicks or Bashar. I know Bashar, Daryl Ankh has been on your show. These beings are, are these people are more like they're bringing in a, a being from another dimension or an extraterrestrial in the case of Bashar or somebody like with Jane Roberts, she shared past incarnations with. And there, some of them are transmediumship where they go into a trance uh, where they don't have conscious memory, where others are very conscious channelers. And so, and some are more semi-conscious. When I channel, I'm between semi and conscious. I don't remember everything I said, but I know the gist of what's being happened. So you can, you can channel with your voice. Okay, that's one way. But you can also channel with, for example, automatic writing. You can channel through scrying. You can channel through cards, such as the tarot or using oracle decks. You can channel as an artist, musician, writers. You can get great packets of information, downloads coming in that inspire you. It's that inspiration, that inspiritos means to inspire that comes through you, and that is a form of channeling. Also, Ouija boards are another way to channel. But I want to be really clear, channeling, and when you use any of these devices, it's not the tools that do it. It's ourselves. We just happen to use a tool as the transformative agent or the methodology to bring through the information. And I love what Clyde Lewis says. He calls it the theatrics of the session might be a Ouija board. So I channel on many different levels. I do the voice channeling. I do the automatic writing. I do talking boards. I use cards, and I can scry. And I know on this show I've mostly talked about the Ouija board in the past, but these are all different avenues of, mm-hmm. of channeling that I use. Is channeling dangerous in the wrong hands? Well, okay, let me ask it let me let me ask it this way. If you are a spiritual being mostly and part of yourself is just corporeal, but most of you exist in these other dimensions, we're multidimensional beings, and we have these connections, whether we're conscious of it or not, is that dangerous? No. 
That's it. That's the answer. It's not dangerous because that we're, we're communicating with that from whence we came and where we will return to. So spirit guides, um, angels, um, our deceased transitioned loved ones. I, I hate using the word deaths. You'll hear me use the word transition more so because of the guides that I work with tell me there is no such thing as death. It's merely an illusion. Yes, you just transition and you move into another realm of your experience. But it's a realm where you already exist. And so channeling allows you to tap into that realm and bring it through to this realm, this third dimension, to share with others or for yourself. I mean, great works of art have come through. People, how many people have told us they dreamed and they woke up and had the solution to a problem or they brought forth some wonderful cure into our world or beautiful artwork? That's constant. Like I'm that. convinced Da Vinci probably did that. So funny you said that. That was just on the tip of my tongue. See, you're, you're psychic there, George. That's exactly right. He did. And so did people like Edison. And, and modern-day mystics are doing it all the time. And your channel, too, George, when you, you do these shows and the words flow out and you get into the, the, the role of it, it's like you, you're inspired. You're inspired through the movement of the energy of what your guests are talking about or what you're feeling about it, and that's what you do every night. So channeling doesn't have to be so mystical. It could be just a matter of you, you, you solve a great problem, you're a wonderful engineer, or you, you can express yourself on the canvas with paint, or I love to write, and, and I love to paint too, and I just let that move me, and that's a form of channeling, or having a moment of epiphany, aha moment, that's also channeling. So it's, I want to demystify it. It, is, it can be mystical. I don't want to ruin that either, right. but it's also very natural for us. Is, it, is it easy to do? Um, we are already doing it. So, for example, when you get up in the morning and you turn on the shower, you get, you get in there. You're not really thinking about turning on the shower. It's an automatic thing. You just we do it. Automatically. Yeah, you just do it. We're automatically channeling. When you get ideas and insights, you're like, aha, wow, I just got this idea. That's channeling. So it's very, very natural. Now, when you want to do it on the level of maybe bringing in, let's say, um, talking to uh, a loved one who has transitioned or maybe your spirit guides, that's where it gets a little more trickier only because we don't believe in ourselves that we have these abilities. We think we have to go to a medium. We have to go to a psychic. In fact, when people come to me, I try to help them learn to reach these levels of consciousness themselves. And once you figure out how to do that, you can do it with any tool or with your body, yourself as the tool. And by the way, I want to say this, where I find channeling works the best, is when you get within your heart space. When you can find yourself in your heart space and you open that area and then you connect that with your pineal gland, which means more of your brain, but your pineal gland really comes into uh, play here. And you allow your imagination to work. It's like your pineal gland and your heart hooked together begins to allow these things to happen. And that takes a little bit of practice. I mean, yes, you've got to practice if you want to channel on the level we're going to be talking about this evening, but it is possible and everybody has the abilities to do it now everybody doesn't necessarily want to do it um, but i find that whether you want to do it or not you're doing it anyway naturally so why not take it up a step what is your higher self well to me the higher self is that part of me that's larger than my corporeal existence it exists beyond even my aura it exists back out to the universe and connects me back to the divine all of us have a higher self. Now, the higher self is more of a Carl Jung psychological term. Um, you could even call it your soul, 
you could call it your spirit. I know those aren't necessarily synonymous in religions, but you can call it that part of you that's your greatest self. And so I like to just call it my higher self because it's me that has a higher perspective on my life, has a hawk-eye view of what's going on. And as I was mentioning earlier, if we can get out of our sometimes our, our myopic focus and see more grandeur of what's going on in the world, we're going to see some insights that we have not seen to what's behind everything that's going on. So that's what your higher self does. That's the part of you. It's part of your existence here in the physical third dimension, but it's you that reaches back and beyond. It's that part of you that will also make those contacts with you to these other dimensions to bring in and channel and have these contacts and communications with sentient beings in other dimensions. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.